Do you buy groceries, beauty products, have a gym membership, fill up on gas, go out to eat, or are looking forward to your next travel experience? If you answered yes, then don't miss out on the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card. No foreign transaction fees and points on all your other purchases. Features I enjoy using in Ultimate Rewards are the Pay Yourself Back feature and the Cash Back feature. Use the referral link in this episode to get a sign-on bonus that is currently 60,000 bonus points when you spend $4,000 in the first three months. With 24-7 concierge services and trip cancellation and interruption insurance, you can travel with peace of mind. Apply now using the link in this episode description and start earning valuable points on all your everyday and out-of-the-ordinary adventures. Hey, welcome to the Echo and Encourage podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Garrido, and I'm here to talk about all things that echo eternity and encourage everyone. From how to embrace entrepreneurship to the best tips to flourish in your life. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Today we have Jordan Mondak, speech language pathologist, creator, and owner of Social Survival Speech Therapy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jordan. It is an honor to have you here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to share a little bit and, and just have a conversation. Yes. Jordan, will you please tell us what you love about being a speech language pathologist, also known as SLP or speech therapist? what population you currently enjoy working with the most? Yeah, for sure. So um, one of my favorite things about being a speech uh, language pathologist or speech therapist um, is probably just the, the positive influence that we get to have on kids or whatever population that you decide to go in. Um, that's the beauty of an SLP. You can work with adults, you can work with babies, you can work with pretty much any age group. Um, but my current... Um, workplace. I work in a school um, at a middle school and an elementary school. And I found my passion really with the older kids, like middle school, high school um, age. And I think my biggest uh, passion for the, the population that I work with is, is kids on the autism spectrum, um, specifically more higher functioning, those that are really, really smart, um, really creative, but just have uh, more difficulties with, with the social nuances of communication. And I'm sure we'll get to go into that a little bit later, but that's where I've really found my passion as an SLP is working with older, older kids um, on the autism spectrum disorder. Yes, thank you for sharing that, Jordan. For our listeners, I don't think I've announced yet that on this podcast that I'm a speech therapist too. And Jordan, you and I went to undergrad together at Andrews University, and it was awesome to also learn from your mom as a speech therapist, being one of our professors. Was it in in that undergrad program, grad school or later that you found that you really love working with the people who have autism spectrum disorder? Um, it was probably after grad school. Um, yeah, I knew I always wanted to work with kids, uh, just growing up, I worked at a lot of summer camps. And so I knew I had like the energy and passion for kids, but I didn't really know where, where that would take me. And my first job out of grad school was a pediatric private practice in, in Riverside, California. And 
it was great because I got to see from ages like two to 22. And I quickly started to realize working with like the two and three-year-olds were not, not my favorite. It requires so much patience, so much energy, um, which is just a calling for a different SLP. But I would, I would look forward to so much when I had a, a session with, you know, a, a kid in middle school or high school, and we were working on social skills. And I just like really found it um, not only fascinating, but rewarding to, to be able to like teach it in a way that they could understand and, and try to motivate them um, and just get them to, to open up and share some of the, the difficulties and struggles with, you know, their social communication. So it's probably during my, my first uh, job out of grad school where I found that passion and, and just the, the joy and the reward that it brought me to work with those students. This is great. I'm so glad that you found the population that you love working with so early on as a speech mm-hmm. therapist. There's yeah. so many different areas, uh, populations to go into in our field, and you'll never be bored. <laughs> exactly. You figured it out so young, and yeah. that's awesome. I'm so excited that you designed social survival. Will you please share more about what that is? Yeah, for sure. So, um, during the same job, um, I got thrown into uh, a social skills group with four students um, on the autism spectrum, and they were probably like 16 to 18 year olds. And I had no really, you know, formal training of how to run a social group. They were based, I was a new SLP and they said, okay, here's, here's your group, go ahead and, and teach them. So I remember that first session, it was really awkward. Like it was just kind of quiet. I wasn't quite sure how to, how to do it. And they were all kind of like looking at me, like I'm the, I'm the therapist, I'm the specialist. I can start teaching, but um, I remember just trying to rack my brain. Okay. What, what can I do? What can I teach? And, you know, I, I just wanted to get to know the kids, you know, first and foremost. So I just started asking them, you know, what they like to do. And all of them unanimously said video games. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Like, and so we started talking about video games and I could see there was like a spark. As soon as we started talking about video games, they, they lit up talking about their favorite games, their favorite, you know, consoles, like what they played their games on. And they started like, yeah, just forming, forming a great conversation about their, their passion, which was video games. And so a light kind of clicked in, in my head, like, okay, this is the language that they speak, right? Video games, they know the terminology, they, they can build a community through that. So kind of on the, the spot, um, it was only by the grace of God that I started to, to kind of use analogies from video games and relate it to social skills. So for example, I would be like, okay, you guys know what like uh, a cheat code is and they all lit up. Oh yeah, we know what cheat codes are. Like you can get, you know, special prizes, special characters. And I said, okay, just like in a video game, we can use cheat codes in conversations, things that we like already already kind of have um, a knowledge of to keep a conversation going. So if someone asks you a question, you know, instead of trying to think, oh, I got to come up with a new question to ask, you could just ask the same question back to keep the conversation going. So very like simple techniques of, of conversation. 
and it started to click for them. Like it, it was so cool to, to see their buy-in um, talking about video games and their terminology and then talk about it on the social skills side. So that was like the, the seed that, that started the idea of social survival. And I thought, wow, how cool would it be to create kind of like a full curriculum that did a deep dive into the different um, just aspects of, of conversation and social skills, but then really heavily involve it with video game terminology. And so throughout throughout my time there, I'd, you know, go home after work and just start um, typing down different, you know, terms that I could use. I developed bosses that they had to, to defeat. And so I really just wanted to make it as video game like as possible. Um, and so that was the formation of the curriculum of social survival, and then eventually involved in I want to make this a, a business so that I could, you know, sell this curriculum to other speech therapists or counselors or, you know, whoever wanted uh, to buy it, but also to provide, you know, one-on-one -on -one either virtual or in-home services uh, for these kids on the spectrum. That is so creative. That <laughs> is awesome. I already am thinking of students and clients that I work with that would benefit from your perspective on this and training. I am so excited for you and that God downloaded this <laughs> into your mind and that you just went for it, that you prioritized it despite having a full-time job caseload. You were like, I'm going to go for this dream and I'm going to um, help these children and therapists across the world. Wow. This is great. I <laughs> saw, yay. I saw something that you posted about social survival camp. Have you launched the camp already? Yeah. So last year, um, last summer was our first, first ever social survival summer camp. Um, cause that was also a dream of mine of just bringing it to different, you know, graduate programs. Um, and so luckily my alma mater, Andrews, uh, university, I brought up the idea of, of running it um, for, we did it for three weeks last summer, and I was a, a supervisor for four grad students. And yeah, we, we went through training because it is a very kind of like structured um, curriculum. And so, and there's a lot of like, yeah, new terminology, a lot of the grad students didn't know about, you know, video games. And so it took some, took some training that we did prior to but they, they rocked it. It was so much fun. The kids loved it. Um, we had, I think our youngest was nine years old um, and our oldest was about 18 or 19. Um, and so we split them up into age groups that were more, they were more comfortable with. And, and so, yeah, they, they bought in right away. The nine-year-old just loved video games. And so he was bought in from the, from the jump. And, and even for, we had a few girls who, didn't know too much about video games, but um, as soon as we kind of explained the terminology and how this is useful, um, they they understood the concepts um, really well, and it was it was great to talk to the parents and and see the carryover at home. So yeah, we got we got to see it fully completed last summer, and it was it was such a big success that we're bringing it back this summer to Andrews. Um, and then we're introducing it at Pine Springs Ranch, uh, a summer camp in California um, this year. So that's it's, it's expanding and God's doing big things. And I'm just so, so excited to see see what's next. That is awesome, Jordan. 
What are some of the things that you've seen the children have grown in as far as their skills or the different carryover that you've seen in the home environment? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing um, that this kind of curriculum brings out is self-reflection. Um, and I think it's a big thing for, for students with autism to understand not only how, um, how they're feeling when someone's interacting um, with them, but also how their actions make other people feel. And so we have um, different worksheets in the curriculum that really do a good job at, of like reflection questions. You know, how does it make someone feel if your body's turned away from them um, when they're trying to talk to you? So very like simple, concrete um, questions, but questions that maybe they haven't thought about um, previously. Maybe they're wondering, well, how come this friend just walked away from me um, when I was talking about Dragon Ball for the last three hours? Like things that they're, they're not really putting the pieces together. And so what this curriculum does is kind of helps guide them through maybe why, you know, a friend just wanted to leave after you didn't really ask them any questions or you're talking about the same thing for for three hours um and so it's a at first it's a lot of self-reflection but then um each level so there's like 10 levels to the curriculum like a, a, a as in a video game and they have mini games um that target uh different skills and so after we do kind of the self-reflection portion then it goes into the practical like okay what are some strategies what are some things that we can do as a communicator that might alleviate um, some anxiety that we might have or alleviate some of the communication breakdowns that us and a, and a, and a classmate might have so yeah, it's it's been good to just give them that that practical um, practice for uh, these social skills. But then I talked to a parent. Um, we talked to the parents after every session, and they said uh, using the terminology as a parent is is helping so much for them to carry it over in the home. Um, and so that's been the best, probably the best feedback that we've gotten is. Um, not only are these kids learning it um, in the in the therapy setting in the classroom, but then we're giving handouts to the parents of, okay, this is what, you know, your child learned. Here's a practical um, in-home tip and an acti activity that you can try. Um, and so, yeah, one of the moms just said it's so helpful to have the same terminology because it's clicking a lot more for their child um, in the home. This is great. It sounds like these parents are so proactive and that mm -hmm. they're excited to help their child flourish with their communication. Sure. Mm -hmm. Did you have a background in video games or is that <laughs> something that you trained yourself on once the students started talking about it? Um, you know, I wouldn't call myself an avid, uh, avid gamer. Um, I've gr grew up playing, you know, basic sports games um, uh, with my with my brothers and things like that. And and I do I own an Xbox, but I don't I don't play it very much. Just um, yeah, during COVID, <laughs> I was I was playing playing it more. Um, but I at least knew um, some of the basics of, of video games to, to start the, the terminology and kind of creating this. But I, I reached out to one of my coworkers who is a big gamer, and she really helped me come up with great, yeah, different terminology. Um, but I did have to do 
I did uh, some research because I wanted, um, again, the video game essence and why it was so motivating, because I think that was the first question that popped into my head when most of these students, their favorite thing to do in, as a hobby is video games. I, I really asked myself, okay, what is it about video games that makes it so, so motivating? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I did a little bit more research. And, you know, as you broke down video games to the, the basic core, um, I found like, okay, it's very structured, right? It, it can give you very simple objectives that you can check off, and which is great, like for, for someone who just, and, and I like those video games too, um, is just a very structured kind of story mode and they give you instant rewards when you complete something. So there's that mo like extrinsic motivation, uh, to complete something because you get a prize or you get money, you get a character. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just kind of broke it down into its bare bones of video games and then implemented those things into my curriculum. So once they complete a mini game or an activity, they're getting gold coins, like physical gold coins that they can collect and turn in for prizes or, or skins on their avatar. So I just, that was where more of the research came into was what, what about video games made it so motivating and transferring that to my curriculum. This is incredible. <laughs> and it's awesome that you were willing to collaborate with people that are also experts in this too, and using your clinical and research expertise. This sounds like this is going to be a huge blessing and breakthrough for oh. a lot of people. Thank you for creating this. Oh, praise God. Yeah, it, it was so fun. Like when I say I would be excited to go home and like try to come up with new levels and, and new characters. And um, I think, yeah, God blessed me with kind of a, a creative mind. And so it wasn't, it wasn't something like, I, oh, I have, to, I have to do this. It was, it was really exciting to just see it grow and then to actually see it uh, implemented with the, with the summer camp and even with students uh, that I see at the schools now, I've been using it with them and, and it's just been so fun to see it come to life. Amen. Jordan, do you think this curriculum um, is best suited for children in individual sessions, group sessions, or any kind of session? So definitely um, you could do it one-on-one, -on -one, but the activities were made for group sessions. Um, so even if it's like two, two, two minimum, um, but in the, um, I think the biggest that we've done is group of five five. Um, so yeah, definitely group sessions because we're trying to build that camaraderie. Um, a lot of the activities you, you need your, um, classmates or your peers to complete it, uh, which is another, uh, great kind of aspect of it is you can't do it by yourself. Right. And just like in life, you need, you need your friends, you need your family, you need, you need people to, um, help you progress in, in this life. And so I really wanted to focus the activities um, as a group, as a group setting. Will you share some insight on what autism spectrum disorder is and how it can affect individuals with ASD differently? Yeah. So autism spectrum disorder um, is a neurological disorder um, that affects communication primarily. Um, it's something that you're born with. Um, but when I explain it to 
you know, parents or even kids on the spectrum, you know, a neurological disorder is kind of a scary, a scary word, but basically I, I just define it as um, it's a different way of processing the world, right? And, and when you kind of put it in those terms, it doesn't seem as scary because um, with a new parent with uh, a diagnosis, as a new parent with someone with a diagnosis of autism, that can be a really kind of scary diagnosis. And, and that's why it's called an autism spectrum disorder is it's kind of an umbrella term because if you meet one, one child with autism, you've only met one child with autism. Like every, every kid um, has different skills, they have different abilities, um, but a, <clears throat> the primary um, effect is kind of their communication. So there's some kids I work with in the moderate to severe classroom that are nonverbal or minimally verbal. Um, but then there's kids who are perfectly fine verbally, um, but they have difficulty understanding the social nuances of having a conversation back and forth, uh, maintaining um, relative eye contact throughout a conversation, um, knowing how to uh, problem solve when things kind of go out of their routine. And so um, it's a wide, wide spectrum, which is probably another reason why I like working with this group, because it's not just a, a cookie cutter, um, one time, one time therapy, you kind of have to be creative and, and figure out, you know, what's the biggest need for this child and, and what do they want to, to work on. Um, and as a therapist, we get to kind of go alongside them and, and help with, with whatever um, they're, they're motivated um, to work on and kind of how we, we use our clinical judgment. Thank you for sharing that. Are there any misconceptions that you've come across that people might have when it comes to thinking of individuals on the autism spectrum disorder? Yeah, I think one big thing that we hear um, in the special education world is they just want to be alone. You know, a lot of kids on the spectrum have a hard time playing and understanding um, the routines of, of peers. And so sometimes we'll, we'll see them kind of off in their, their own little world. Um, and as they get older, it becomes harder and harder for them to connect with, with people and with classmates. And so they find themselves, yeah, being, being isolated. Um, but then the, the excuse for that is, oh, they prefer it. And, and that's something that um, talking and working with, with students on the spectrum, it's not true. I think they, everyone was built for community. Um, we all, all want to feel loved and accepted. And I think it, it's no different for someone on the autism spectrum. Um, it's, it's more about them learning how to connect and, and find that community um, and so, yeah, I think giving them tools like this curriculum does and just giving them opportunities um, by, you know, being in a summer camp where there's kids who um, do have similar interests, you know, finding similar interest groups like video games is a great way um, for kids to connect. And so the misconception of, oh, they'd rather just be by themselves um, and play video games, I think is, is dangerous um, because then Oh, yeah, it, it gives us the excuse. So we don't need to, to push them and, um, 
and help them find community. Cause I think as humans, we all, we all want that. I totally agree. I am currently working with a high caseload who has autism spectrum disorder and one breakthrough for some of them has been getting them a speech generating device where mm-hmm. they can actually say what's on their mind and then to see their face light up like that's what I was trying to say and mm-hmm. and to make that connection um, right. has been beautiful to see and so I really hope that in our field, we can advocate more and more for individuals with autism spectrum disorder so that they can thrive and that we can give them, as you said, the tools to be able to have that social closeness that I think they do crave. No, for sure. Just trying to figure out how to get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard because, you know, um, there's, there's kids, I mean, there's no, um, like physical abnormalities that come with, with autism. And so they look just like you and me. And so I think there's a bigger target, um, on their backs for bullying. Um, we get a lot of, yeah, bullying in the, in the middle school as they get older, because, um, kids assume that because they look like typical developing, um, kids that they should act, um, a certain way. And so, when, when they don't, then they become a bigger target and they do need, like you said, more advocating for themselves um, and teaching them how to advocate for themselves because yeah, they're, they're physically, nothing looks different about them. Uh, but again, it's more the neurological kind of how their, their brain processes things um, that, is, that is different that's, um, than compared to their, their peers. Would you say that there's any strengths that you've seen in children who have autism that you typically don't see those strengths in neurotypical children? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Because I, lo- I think, yeah, as as a educator and someone, yeah, to advocate, I think we need to do a better job at showing their strengths. And so I love that you, you asked that question because, yeah, I feel like um, kids on the, the spectrum bring a breath of, of fresh air. Like one of my best friends is on the autism spectrum. We went to college together and worked together at summer camp. And I, I always look forward to, to hanging out with him because he's, he's so honest and kind. Um, and I think, and you know, again, not all kids are, are, are like that, but a lot of the students that I work with, um, they are very, they're very kind and, and loving, um, yeah, people that, you know, then I work with a, a typical developing um, middle schooler and they're kind of down and, and they got they got stuff going on, which is which is fine. But I, I always look forward to to working with um, kids just because they have the spirit about them that is maybe a little bit more innocent um, because they're they process things differently um and so it's such a refreshing um conversation and interaction with kids on the spectrum um and they just yeah they're so honest brutally honest sometimes that it's it's fun to to work with that and um yeah the the other piece of it is a lot of them are very um creative a lot of them do like artwork is their favorite um their favorite class and so that's something those are strengths that I don't have um in terms of just their ability to to design different things so a lot of them are creative 
Um, and then some of them are more mathematical and good with, with numbers. And, and again, that's not a strength that I have. So I love that um, they're bringing stuff to the table that, you know, their typical developing um, peers are not. And so I think it's just a matter of, yeah, honing in on, on those strengths and those passions that they have and, and just kind of empowering them to, to use it. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I just think they have, they have so many, so many strengths. Their memory is so good. Like literally they can remember things that happened in the past that I cannot remember what I had for breakfast that morning. And so it's, it's just fun to, to work with kids that have so many strengths, um, that, that I don't have. And a lot of their, their peers don't have. And so I always, I always tell them like, you know, if it weren't for, for people on the spectrum or just people that thought like you, you know, Albert Einstein, people have, you know, said that he probably was on the, the spectrum. If it wasn't for people like, like him, this, we would live in a very different world. And so um, just to empower, power those students, because it can feel very isolating. Um, it can be very kind of disheartening to, to maybe not have as many friends as, as they see other kids have. And so I always try to remind my students, like the, the gifts and the abilities that you have is, is no mistake, right? It's like you, you were born with, with this gift and, you know, we want, we want to empower and we want you to use that, um, as you get older. So I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. They have so many strengths. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that and for empowering them. I can relate to them showing those strengths and it's beautiful to see the brutal honesty cheers me up every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I love it. You have had a heart for ministering to people who are homeless. I remember back in undergrad days, we were part of least of these ministries. That was a beautiful ministry with outreach in Chicago. And most recently, you have been involved in a ministry called Fusion. Will you please share with us what Fusion is all about? Yeah, so Fusion, um, I got involved with that um, right when I moved to California, because like you said, it's been a passion of mine ever since uh, being at Andrews and, and going out to Chicago. And so that was kind of a, a hole in my heart that needed to be filled moving to California. And so luckily um, I live in Loma Linda. And so uh, there's a lot of opportunities for, for ministries. And I came across Fusion, which basically is just fusing ministry and friendship together. And I thought that was the coolest coolest thing. And so when it first started, uh, we were going out once a week to a men's homeless shelter and just sitting down with them, uh, hearing their stories, talking to them, um, eating with them. We'd go around dinner time and just, just building connections, building friendships. We weren't, you know, we weren't bringing our Bibles to them. Uh, we weren't preaching to them. We were just getting to know them, um, as individuals, and, and then at the end, when dinner had been completed, we'd get in a circle and, and take prayer requests and just pray for, for the men in the shelter. So that's where it kind of uh, began in Fusion, and it's evolved um, with COVID happening. The, the shelter, a lot of shelters got shut down, and a lot of people were back out, out on the streets. 
And so the, the founder, the creator, um, Bo Kim, he decided, you know what, I'm just going to go every day. He went seven days a week for about two years um, during the COVID pandemic um, and went to where they were on the streets instead of just a shelter. And so um, it's evolved into now we're, we're going to where they are and where they feel comfortable um, and just sitting down with them in parks, under bridges, um, behind stores and parking lots and just kind of going. And again, not bringing Bibles, not bringing you know, sermons to preach at them, but building um, relationships. And we've seen um, just transfer transformed lives um, because of it and me myself with transformed lives you know um, just the the blessing that comes with interacting with again people that think differently um, than us and have a different perspective have different um, worldviews has been so inspiring and to see their faith amidst very difficult um, times is just very inspiring for me and why I continue to, to go out and, and serve. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of the gist of fusion. How can people get involved in fusion? <laughs> so, um, now we're going out, um, every Saturday. And so I'm one of the, the four leaders and let me, they have an Instagram that you can check out. It's called fusion underscore San Bernardino. That's the town right next to Loma Linda that's very um, heavily populated with homelessness. Um, and so we have an Instagram, you can find us on Instagram, um, but we meet at the Drayson Center, uh, which is our health center in Loma Linda every Saturday at two o'clock. And so we would love, love to have people join us. Um, it's been, yeah, continuing to grow. And it's just so great to see new, you know, young people that are in medical school and have a lot on their plate still decide to come out and, and minister. So that's, that's been inspiring as well. What would you say to someone who's on the fence about joining a ministry that's reaching out to people who are homeless and maybe something about how it's transformed your own heart? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say get off the fence <laughs> and just try it and just try it. I know yeah, it can be intimidating. It might be a little frightening. Um, but, you know, I've had such a, such a transformed life because of it that I would say you just got to give it a try. Um, I think at first, when we first started doing homeless ministry in Chicago, like, yeah, it was kind of uncomfortable. We're, we're going out and, and seeking those on the street corner where maybe as before you kind of avoid eye contact and, and walk by. But um, so it definitely kind of changes your, your perspective. Um, but yeah, for me, I think just the, the conversations that, that I've had with those um, on the streets have just been so, so positive, so inspiring. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of them have more faith than a lot of people I go to church with. And so I, I just love learning from them and, and their wisdom and kind of what they've gone through and how they've, how they've continued to be, be faithful. And, um, I think that to me, it was really inspiring. Um, and, and for me, just, yeah, putting in perspective, um, kind of what's, what's important in this life. Um, you know, a lot of them don't have a, a roof over their head or, or a bed to, to sleep in. 
Um, but we, we can find common ground in terms of we, this isn't our home. I, I tell people we're all homeless. Um, I, I really believe that, um, because yeah, heaven and eternity is, is our home. And so to, to find that, that connection, um, with people on the street and just kind of encourage them, um, cause it is, it is a difficult, uh, circumstance and situation that they may be going through. Um, it's just really a, a big blessing to, to connect with them and, um, yeah, just, just build relationships. Amen. This world is not our home and we are homesick for heaven. That's awesome that you're able to connect with them and to uh, show empathy, compassion, also humility, and to just posture your heart towards how can I learn from you and um, not have a spirit of pride, but of kindness and compassion like Jesus. Jesus Mm -hmm. didn't have a place to rest his head either. And he was out there witnessing and loving people just as they are. And I think at least in some of the, the upbringing that we've been in, I've noticed that there can be a heart that's hard towards um, the population who are homeless or judgment at times. So I think breaking that and to infiltrate it with kindness and love is going to bring blessings for eternity to everyone involved. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, just going through, going through this journey of, of homeless ministry, um, it, it makes a big difference when we go to where they're at. We meet them where they are because a lot of them, yeah, have either been hurt by the church or don't feel comfortable um, going into churches. And so I think, yeah, as a, as a Christian and in our denomination, we need to yeah, do a little bit better job of going and meeting them where they are um, and not expect them to just, yeah, change their whole lifestyle, change their whole you know, personality, um, to fit maybe our mold of what we think, um, someone should be walking into a church. And so it's been really, really just inspiring and, and help my own personal growth to, to be able to go where they are. Um, and, and they're ministering to me just as much as I'm ministering to them. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful opportunity. So if, if someone's, yeah, not too sure, I'd say just, just give it a try and, you know, if, if that ministry isn't for you, there's, there's something else that, you know, God can use you with as well. Yes. Amen. What is one thing that we can start doing to echo eternity or encourage others? Mm, Great question. I think in, in kind of both my passions in terms of homeless ministry and working with those with uh, special, special needs, um, is just embracing diversity. Um, I think that's what Jesus did when he was here on earth. Um, that's what heaven's going to be. There's not going to be just one type of group in heaven. And I praise the Lord for that. It's going to be so diverse with so many different types of people, different backgrounds. And, and so I, I really, um, just want to, yeah, share that, that diversity is beautiful. Like, if, it, if everyone thought like me and talked like me, this world would be terrible. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's the differences in our strengths and weaknesses that um, 
we can learn from each other. And so, yeah, I love that we've been been talking about the diversity of just how kids on the autism spectrum um, process things and and their strengths. Um, and same with with people on the streets; they have so many strengths that are often overlooked. And so, in both populations um, that we've talked about, it's easily um, overlooked because they are maybe different than us, or they think differently than us. Um, but I just want to encourage people to take the time to interact and have conversations with people that, yeah, might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, um, maybe not do the same thing that you that you do or think the same way that you do, but just to take the time to get to know that person um, and, and learn from them. And I'm telling you, you're, you're, your growth will, will benefit, um, from that, just getting different perspectives. And so, yeah, just, just that take the time and, and spread the love. Um, cause that's what Jesus did, right. He didn't just go to one group of, of people, but, um, he interacted with so many, so many marginalized groups. And so, um, our, he's our best example. So just echoing what Jesus did, um, and just taking the time to, um, interact with people that are different than us. Yes, I love that. I'm just thinking a bit about um, the opportunities that I've had working with people who are homeless and what comes to mind is their resilience, their positivity, how they're so willing to be vulnerable and share their story, how they even got out their duct tape Bible and read it uh, to us that yeah. one day about um, scripture, pouring scripture into our hearts, mm-hmm. all of the young people that were there. Um genuine, genuine smiles where yeah. it's not the fake smile. It's the, I have joy because mm-hmm. I know whose I am Wow, living in that authenticity. Yeah. And you're right. There are so many strengths that are overlooked and Jesus did love the people who are marginalized, all of us equally, and he ministered to them. And so I see you doing this for people with ASD, people who are currently homeless, and all of us who are homeless until we get to heaven. So how can our listeners connect with you, Jordan? I created a website for for social survival um, and and the services I provide. Um, And so that's socialsurvival.net. Um, and there you'll find the summer camp programs, the, the services um, where you could purchase the curriculum as well, where you can purchase trainings. Um, I offer free consultations to parents that are maybe just have a few questions. So socialsurvival.net um, is a way to connect. And then um, on Instagram, you can find me at social survival speech therapy on Instagram. And so those are probably the, the best ways to connect. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your story, and your insight. I'm so excited to see God continue to bless you in your business and in your ministry. Thank you for coming on the podcast today, Jordan. Thank you for having me and just giving me an opportunity and platform to to share um, what I'm passionate about and hopefully encourage encourage others and echo eternity. (laughs) You're welcome. It's an honor. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you liked it, and if you enjoy the show in general, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to see more about each episode, head over to the Echo and Encourage podcast on Instagram 
or Echo and Encourage on YouTube.